The Archetypal Tarot Podcast explores universal human patterns called archetypes by investigating the major arcana of the ancient tarot. We recognize these archetypes because they are present in our own life stories, myths, and culture. Each card represents a stage of the journey for understanding the greater story of our lives. Welcome to the second edition of the Archetypal Tarot Podcasts, where we'll be discussing the magician. I'm Sundara Quackenbush, a tarot consultant here in San Francisco. And I'm Julianne Javeau, an archetypal consultant also here in San Francisco. So this is the magician, and this is the second stage of the journey, the card that comes after the fool. So the fool was card zero, and the magician is card number one in most decks. So we have this beginning feeling, this very masculine number, and we also have an incredible image of uh, a man, usually, uh, in the earlier decks, uh, at a table, and he has all of these different implements and tools laid out before him. He has a cup, and he has a sword, he has a wand, and he has a pentacle. And these are, of course, all the different suits that are featured in the tarot. And he's often pictured with a hat that is, in later interpretations, has the infinity symbol. It's the shape of the infinity symbol, that number eight on its side. So, what is, who is this character? Who is this magician? He feels so familiar to us. And we've heard of magicians. They captured our imagination as children. What, what does it mean to have this man greeting us at, at so early in the journey? Um, it seems to me in contrast to what we talked about with the fool, which is, you know, the beginning of the journey, maybe not being very intentional and starting out, um, with the journey that the magician has a lot to do with gaining knowledge, um, self-mastery, self-empowerment. And I see kind of the, the things that are uh, ubiquitously pictured on the, the tarot card of the magician in that table are just the tools of the trade of what, what is going to be needed. Um, gaining, gaining the knowledge um, one needs to continue on in the journey and, and potentially because the magician in a kind of modern literal sense is, uh, you know, the magician who's the entertainer who performs illusions and magic tricks and things like that. But none of that can be done without, without knowledge, without learning how the trick works and learning how the best way to do it to play with people's perceptions and get them to believe whatever you're doing. So the, the, the tools that I see sitting there can represent all the different things and the knowledge that, um, that one might need on, on their journey as they head out. So you've gone from the fool falling into it to, okay, now what do I need to do to, to get to the next step? What do I need on my journey? Um, the magician, magician is a fascinating character. It's been mm -hmm. around a really, really long time. So, um, and it's pretty easy to see it in a, in a, a theatrical context, but um, like as being, you know, the guy with the hat who pulls the rabbit out and does those magic tropes, which is totally true, but to, uh, to see it in a um, more day-to-day -day life and, and what does it really mean, mean to us 
Um, Sandera, when you're working with, with people in your, your process of the projective tarot, what, what do people tend to come up with when they, when they look at this card? What are, the, what are some of the images and things that they sort of work with when they see it? From one experience with a client, I remember them seeing a bunch of possibilities laid out before them that they really had, the magician really had the key that they were looking for and they were able to have that in a, a like a literal sense. They could look at this table and see all of these symbols that represented paths that they could take on their own journey or something that they really needed to implement, uh, a goal that they were searching for. Uh, the way that I often work with clients when I do tarot is that I have them look at the cards and tell a story. Uh, so the magician would uh, pop up as this on the journey, so they're, they're, they've got some sort of issue or, or trouble, and the magician pops up there and says, what from my table would you like? Because I can give it to you. Uh, and, and it's so interesting how that pops up in the story. And uh, it serves almost a, a mentoring role in that way, hmm. uh, a stage before they can move on and actually actualize their, their goal. And so the symbol I'd like to talk about for a moment, actually a very important tool of the magician is the wand. And what, what is it about the wand? It's just like this very, it could be as simple as a stick, right? What is it about this very simple tool that's so important? And I think what it is is that it allows for things to be po pointed. They allow things to be centralized. Uh, you're allowed to take maybe a vision, a complex idea or a goal or a dream that you have in your life and you're able to take something quite literally in your hand and go, okay, this is what needs to happen. And this, this process, and the uh, wand itself is a metaphor of that, but through this process we're able to make that goal, that dream, uh, become manifest in reality. Uh, and I know as uh, an archetypist, archetypal consultant, you, you work with the archetype of the visionary. Mm -hmm. And I know that sometimes they can get stuck and, and not know how to materialize this thing that they've been uh, thinking about. So how, did, how is it that you work with the visionary to do this? It's funny that you, they, uh, the visionary, um, I think, can be a part of the magician but they're sort of empowered and, and, and shadow sides are, are pretty different. The visionary is about those ideas. It's about the vision of the possibility where they can kind of go into the shadow unempowered side is actually not wanting to or didn't not being all that interested in making it happen, but they get so enamored with the vision of it. Of like, here's, I have this idea. Here's the way it can be. Sometimes they just need a partner or somebody else who's a little bit more of a, of a magician, um, that can take those ideas and put them into action. As you were talking about the wand and that focused intentionality that is the symbol of the wand, the you know the the visionary doesn't always have that focused intentionality, but they've mm. got they can hold the greater vision. They can hold all those different ideas and 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 see beyond the scope of you know what most people will be thinking and all uh, 
in terms of business, um, the, the really successful businesses that I've seen um, have either somebody who's got the book, both the visionary and the magician, or their, their top teams have that. So you've got, and um, this is somebody who I think of as a magician as well as a visionary, is Steve Jobs, um, where he can, he can hold that larger vision of to take that, well, that's, that's impossible. Well, to him, it's not. <laughs> he can hold the vision of it, um, but also put the time and energy, effort and intentionality into making it happen. Um, and he's also had, obviously, he's going to have lots of, lots of people on his team to help make that happen, but it's that uh, combination of both being a visionary to be able to see the bigger picture and the magician to make it happen and to not be stopped by uh, people saying, well, that can't happen, no one can do that. It's that moving beyond the, the impossible, making, making, making it real in the world. Um, and the ability to hold the vision of the fact that, yeah, we can do this. We don't know how, but what we can that is, is a really uh, big part of the, that combination of those, of those archetypes. And if you've ever seen Steve Jobs pre present a new product, like at Macworld, he's very much into the whole theatrical drama of unveiling the new product. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it is very much magical. And the, the audience and the people there, they're like kids in a magic show going, ooh, we didn't know it could do that. And then, you know, it's brilliant in terms of a business because everyone then gets to hold this little miracle in their hand. You know, the, the iPhone or the latest release of different products that they, they do. So... You know, he's basically acting as that magician and going, here, actually, you can buy this. You can have this product. So in terms of business, I see that as being one of the best examples of both the visionary and the magician. But I think it's probably more to do with the visionaries having that larger vision um, and believing it and not necessarily seeing it as an illusion, whereas the magician, you know, they can have an illusion and just pass it on to everybody else. That's actually part of what they can do as well, is to change the perception about something, not necessarily have it have to be real, you know. Ah, oh, that's right. And so we've we've really reached a core element of what the magician is all about here, which is working with perception. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a wonderful book by David Abram. Uh, called The Spell of the Sensuous, and if you can check this book out, it's really quite incredible. And uh, he was a magician, that, a sleight-of-hand magician that traveled throughout rural Asia and traded with shamans uh, the knowledge of his own sleight-of-hand tricks with some of their shamanic knowledge. Mm -hmm. And he says the thing that really connects these two things, shamanism and being a, a typical Western magician is this play with perception. If we see it, we believe it. And how can we manipulate reality and show something and have an effect in our audience that, that changes them, really? Uh, and that's a feeling of magic, which is no small thing. Uh, have you, how have you encountered, um, or what are your opinions about this use of perception uh, or changing of perception? Well, it's definitely a key component to to the magician, um, whether they're literally performing an illusion, they're working with it symbolically. Um, I think of people who are makeup artists or uh, stylists, they 
they can put somebody in an outfit and have them basically see themselves in a different way. They basically will put on an illusion of like, here's a little lipstick and a new hat and a new haircut. And here, you know, they're, they're seeing these, the, the person seeing these changes and they are transformed, but that the fact that the lipstick or the haircut, I mean, that's all very impermanent. That is in so many ways an illusion, but their ability to see themselves in a different way, um, is that transformative process and transformation I think is also a big part of this. Um, archetype and related but not exactly the same I think of the alchemist um, they're not quite the same you would never go you would never hire an alchemist to work your kids birthday party there's a big difference there I mean maybe certain people would you know come change lead into gold for the kids you know? <laughs> so with the alchemist we have a very deep and historic version of, of this magician and so um, What's a good introduction of what the alchemist actually is? The, the, the alchemist, essentially, they were, they were both shamans and healers and magicians early on. There typically was an alchemist in uh, most of the dynasties and royal families um, in ancient times, and they were astrologers. You know, they were deep knowledge holders as well. Um, but their... Uh, long, long, long history and uh, wisdom carriers. They were people who knew the elements and were fascinated. They were early scientists in so many ways of how to change from one thing into another and using mm -hmm. the combination of different elements and um, pieces to to make something happen, to make a change. So it was it was a little bit less about illusion for the alchemists is kind of just a derivation of the magician um a lot more scientific and what most people probably are familiar with in terms of the alchemist is the um their uh, obsession basically and just a long brotherhood and sisterhood of alchemists have the same obsession of taking lead which at the time was seen to be the most base the most uh value valueless um element and to turn it into gold and that became really kind of obsessive for many of them was that's that's all that they wanted to do basically they did you know one experiment after another and if they could just turn lead into gold then you know they their work is done they can they figured it out um, not realizing that if you turned all the lead into gold the gold wouldn't be as valuable anymore but then that's that's actually part of the 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 shadow of of the alchemist in so many ways, um, historically. And the, the process that came through alchemy, uh, or the real gold, mm -hmm. uh, I like to think, that came from alchemy, wasn't that they found ever this literal result, end result, but that um, incredible images came to them through the, this process of, you know, hours and hours of really intense labor, right, and heat, and of working with the, this material reality, and... Through it, they saw these visions, and they saw within the vessels, because uh, there's always this her hermetically sealed vessel, right? That's the alembic symbol, yeah. That's right. And so by peering into this, seeing the flames, and uh, giving symbols to each stage that they would note uh, as they went along, uh, they saw themselves in this process and were able to... Uh, 
uh, have a, an experience of active imagination of what uh, Carl Jung would later explore. He was so fascinated with, with alchemy. Uh, and uh, I, I, I think this ties back in with the magician in this way that maybe the magician isn't really making that rap appear out of his hat, but the fact that you, you feel like you see it happening and, and that you feel that it's magical, that's the end result. That's the gold of seeing that trick happen. Not like, oh, what is all the mechanics of how he does that? And, yeah. um, but the fact that that just happened before my eyes and I believed it for even just an instant, that's, that's the magic. The suspension <laughs> of disbelief. That's right. And that's, um, that's a mark of a really great director of a film. Mm-hmm. And a great film, if you see it, if, if you can suspend your, you know, your disbelief and, and really enjoy the film and believe it and sort of come to be a part of it and care for the characters, um, that's, that's the mark of a great director, which I think has a lot in common with being an alchemist or a, or a magician. Um, I can't remember who it is, but there's a number of actual um, directors that are pretty well known that are magicians, like, you know, sleight of hand magicians, and that that's kind of been a hobby for them. And it, it totally makes sense to me. If, if there's somebody who has that um, keen ability to capture an audience to do something with the left hand while the right hand's over here and you can kind of see it, that's very much like filmmaking. That's very mm-hmm. much like putting a story out in front of, front of people and, you know, don't don't pay attention to the fact that this maybe this actor or actress is older or younger or whatever way they 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 put the whole team of of people who are making a film together all those elements together to make a great film and have us you know willingly suspend our disbelief that we're sitting in a movie theater eating popcorn we can actually be more present with the with the story um, that way as well and I think of uh, also everything that you see in um, the magician card, all the items on the table. Um, I think of uh, everything that one would need to use to create a film or to mm-hmm. create a product like the, the Apple products. It's that deep knowledge of what their resources are um, and the alchemists uh, in the in this symbolic view in the modern day world, somebody with a really strong um, alchemist archetype they're always going to be really, really aware of what their resources are, what they've got to work with, mm-hmm. um, and really will have no problem experimenting with how to put does we put this together. I have uh, I have clients who have the alchemist archetype, and they're leaders or managers of an organization, and they really enjoy seeing what person will work with this one, mm-hmm. and what will work with that. You know, it can lead to a little mad scientist part because there is that fascination with, ooh, if I put this with this, and in the case of people who are groups, do I put the warrior with the damsel? You know what I mean? They are they are trying to put various pieces together to see what will happen, and obviously you don't learn and um, without making a few mistakes and having your lap blow up every once in a while. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, this, the the alchemist could also be a caterer. Um, somebody who works in the um, hospitality business as well. They, the alchemist at the in the highest symbolic level, they're taking something, you know, maybe that's less valuable or something that uh, a mistake that was made, and they're turning it into something else. They're basically they can save the day. So a, a caterer can turn an ordinary sort of room in a a boring room in a ramada somewhere and turn it into this 
you know, party atmosphere, festival, wedding, festivities thing. And that's very much the magician and the, the alchemist, the talent to take something kind of boring mm. and put environments or food or music or whatever it takes to put around it. And that's kind of magical in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, and so what is, we, we like to cover in this podcast, uh, the shadow side or the disempowered side mm. of each card. Uh, and so for the magician, for the alchemist, that comes in as the saboteur, which is a big deal and uh, very apparent in lots of people's lives and uh, that you have much experience with. <laughs> <laughs> what can you tell us about the saboteur? Sure. Well, let me just, um, the saboteur is a separate archetype, but it's one of what in my practice we call the four survival archetypes. Um, and the saboteur is that part of us that can be the naysayer or say, nope, that won't work, or will basically throw a wrench into whatever operations we've got going. Um, and that, the, the alchemist, magician, their shadow side can be very much a sabotaging, this isn't going to work, um, let's, you know, take everything down, I'm not going to do it, you know, when you run across, uh, maybe you're trying to put two elements together or some, a project and there's that temptation to sabotage it because you're frustrated. You don't know what to do next. And you just want to wipe all, all the stuff off the table and be, be done with it. Mm -hmm. That's the sabotorial instinct. Um, and because the saboteur is something that um, we see as being a part of all of us, that, you know, you're not good enough, you can't do it, that sort of negative voice. Um, when I talk with people about it, I like to point out that the opposite, the empowered side of the saboteur, is that part of us that knows um, what elements need to be put together to make it happen. So it's as if the, the sort of gravity side of it says, you know, it can't be done, you don't have anything you need, you don't have the knowledge, or whatever it is you feel like you're missing. The opposite says, oh, but you can get them. You know, it's the, the equal and opposite sort of uh, parts of, of that and I'll often say that if, if, if a client's really working with the, the shadow part of the saboteur, the un, unempowered part, I'll bring up the magician or the alchemist mm. because that's naysaying parts is you don't have blah, blah, blah. You know, you want to paint your house, but you don't have any brushes and you don't have any paint. Well, it's the magician that could go, aha, but I know where to get this and I know who I can talk to my, you know what I mean? It's that part that can see the opportunities uh, versus the possible failures. So it's, one side or another. The um, the shadow side for the alchemist and the magician beyond that sabotaging part can also be the mad scientist, can go too far to uh, not consider other people's feelings with their experiments, to endanger themselves or others with what they're doing, to just get obsessed mm -hmm. with whatever they're working on. The alchemists were definitely known for their obsession, mm -hmm. um, often incurring in in death in many instances <laughs> they definitely mm -hmm. were not ones to play play it safe mm -hmm. and so that mm -hmm. that can happen too if you have somebody running a group say of of engineers or developers and they're getting kind of obsessed with making something work in a specific way they could be driving them the themselves and their team into the ground with that obsession um and obviously we've we, well we have talked a lot about the the uh the empowered side the ability to change what we we value a little bit or what we disregard and and either show people the properties they haven't been looking at um, or 
to take it, add some other elements, you know, to take the proverbial lemons and turn them into lemonade. Hmm. Um, that's present with this archetype as well. Um, and there's, for both of them, and the shaman and the wizard, all these other derivations that, that are out there, the, the deep knowledge um, and understanding and study of um, elements and resources is always a part of it. You don't, you don't ever find a, a, someone with a magician or the alchemist that, that hasn't done some research or hasn't got a really big library um, of, of books or ideas or resources to work with. So it can be really, really empowering. And I talk with a number of business clients who um, they're looking for alchemists, basically, when they're talking about who they need to hire on their team. A lot of times they're, they're looking for somebody who can hold a vision and also put things into action like we were talking about. Wow, that is really powerful that the magician is able to do those both of those things. And I, I see that now in the imagery more the that infinity symbol above his head feels so like he's connected to the beyond. He's beyond limitations. He receives divine inspiration and yet is there's all these practical tools there and he can put it into action. He can point and say abracadabra and it happens. Uh, that's so important and I'm sure so many of our clients, so many people listening to this podcast, you and me, there's so many ideas, so many visions that we have uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, so many dreams. How is it that we can bring this all into reality? I, that's such a question. And what are even the smallest little things, starting with a pencil and piece of paper, that you need to bring into your life to, to make this happen? I think those are really important questions to ask when this card comes up in a spread or Maybe you chose it for the day. Uh, this is such a, this is an action taking card mm -hmm. and it's, it's calling you to action and how, how to find it. It's definitely, um, about knowing, knowing your resources and seeing, seeing that knowledge is power. Um, and having that knowledge will help set the tone for the next steps that we take. And having that kind of familiarity um, with with what's available at hand, and also possibilities. I think uh, the magician and the alchemist, the wizard, they wouldn't be anything without the without possibilities. Mm -hmm. They're not just performing the same old tricks that everybody else has done. Um, they are coming up with their own newer newer ones, more useful things to to work out in the world. So they um, probably have a, an ability to play at their table as well as you know get down to work that, that they're trying new things that they're maybe trying different new blends with their potions and just trying things out i, I remember hearing that about the alchemist like oh okay lead maybe that doesn't work let's try the common stone under our feet or they tried so many different base elements mm -hmm. uh to see if it could turn into gold if this doesn't work let's try that let's yeah. play with that so your modern day like research scientist or scientist oftentimes has has an alchemist um, element to them too and I think related a little bit is the engineer um, it's it's separate but there's that uh, necessity to to document your steps to be clean about with what you're working with 
um, a messy alchemist is probably one who has a lot of scars from getting burned, <laughs> you know, from putting one element together and realizing, oh, that creates poison gas or it burns. Um, mm. And so, you know, a few of the people that I know in the in the scientific world, they definitely have the alchemist. There's that fascination and, and research and pushing the boundaries and finding new things um, is a, a big part of what drew them into their careers. Um, and there's something too that I that just occurred to me that is a big part of the magician's secrecy. And I just and it's kind of a solo type. You know, the magicians might get together and talk with each other, and the alchemists might be sharing ideas, but they tend to work alone, and they they tend to put things together and and hold hmm. while they're they're in process of trying to figure something out. They hold all of that very close to themselves, and I think it's. Um, really important looking at the magician card as being kind of the second stage mm. of the journey is that while you're gathering knowledge, while you're trying different things, you kind of play it close to your chest. That's right. You need to separate. You need to get your things all out on the table. You got to organize. You got to look at what you got. What do you need? And and this is something that often needs to be done by oneself. Mm -hmm. um, and th this is certainly a solo card. He's there alone. And it's, it's like you're coming up on his table and he's busy at work, but he's, he's ready to offer you something. Absolutely. And I think there's that, uh, the stage of an idea or a project or a dream where keeping it to yourself um, is really wise because as soon as you hand it over to somebody else, especially at the beginning, um, there's an opportunity for them to make a comment that's discouraging or say, oh, somebody else has already done that. Whereas this sort of you're in the alchemical lab stage and I've got this idea and you're still kind of vulnerable because you're putting things together. You're learning, you're getting the knowledge, you're there and saying it to somebody else, one, they might take your idea and run with it. Um, and as something I know in the actual literal magic field of people who are magicians, you hold those secrets very, very tightly. But in terms of our everyday sort of experience, keeping that in the lab for a little while can be important. Mm. So you get really clear on what it is you want to do. And you're also not taking any unnecessarily and unnecessary risks by saying, you know, to someone, even a loved one, here's my beautiful dream. Here's what I want to go do. And they, maybe they're not interested or they had a bad day oh, yeah. or you're not yet able to explain it to them in the way that you, you will maybe in six months time. And so right. there's that point of secrecy can work very much in, in one's favor, um, as well as potentially keeping it too secret and being kind of shifty about it. In I think I've had shadow. many novel ideas die that way. <laughs> hey, I have a great idea for a novel. Oh, you don't think so. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> it happens to everybody. Oh, There's, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a Rilke poem or no, no, no. It's a Goethe quote. I'm terrible at quotes. I love them, but I never know who said them. Um, there's a Goethe quote that says, you know, tell a wise person or, or be quiet. Um, and sometimes oh, it wow. takes finding another wise person, maybe another person who's a magician or has that um, they understand that elements need to come together and they have that deep wisdom and knowledge that you can when you're ready bring it to them because they're more likely to understand what it is that you've just gone through and putting right. it together and so, once again the mm -hmm. importance of that sealed vessel or that opus to be able to bring something in that's fragile or bring a collection of very special ingredients together and only someone who's wise, who understands, can be there um, and to hold and to protect that 
that very delicate process that needs to take place. Yeah, and I think that leads really nicely to the um, tarot card we'll be talking about next time, and that's the High Priestess, which we'll be going into, which is about that more receptive um, feminine intuitive energy, which I think is a, um, is a great next step to this journey from falling into it with the fool to the, the wisdom carrier, the knowledge, the self-empowerment, um, changing of perceptions with the magician moving into the high priestess. So I'm looking forward to talking about that one too. I'm very much looking forward to that. And high priestess is a very important card for the both of us. So that'll I think be so. a fun one to talk about. Uh, so we look forward to joining with you next time. And if you would like to read more about alchemy and their work with stones, you can check out my master's thesis, which is on tarotdreamstone.com. If you click on stone and at the bottom of the page, you can find a little download link to Imaginal Stone Stories of Self and World. And Julianne, you want to say something about your website? Oh, well, I also want to remind uh, listeners that um, our, you can subscribe to this podcast at iTunes. If you go to archetypaltarot.podbean.com, um, you will be able to subscribe um, in iTunes or probably any other RSS uh, feed that way. And also, please, you're invited to leave comments or questions um, at the end of each post where the podcasts are. We would love to hear from you. Um, or visit any of our websites, which you will hear about in a minute. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. Our next episode explores the third card of the tarot, the archetype of the High Priestess. For more information on Sindera's work, please visit tarotdreamstone.com. For more information on Archetype Consulting, please visit archetypist.com. That's A-R-C-H-E-T-Y-P-I-S-T dot com. And thanks again for listening.